welcome to the Justin Peters program, where we're searching the scriptures to see if these things are so, studying to show ourselves approved, rightfully dividing the word of truth so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here's your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are doing well. I want to thank you so very much for joining me once again. And I want to begin by giving you just a brief update on my health. Several of you have emailed me asking me how I'm doing. I have had kidney stones, which I've uh, struggled with for the last several months. A couple of weeks ago, I had a, an emergency ureteroscopy done. I say emergency because it was kind of a, a spur of the moment, let's get this done now, unplanned thing. But it's not like it was a, I mean, my life wasn't in danger or anything like that. But uh, my my uh, comfort was definitely being imperiled because it was quite painful. But at any rate, they uh, went in and blasted the kidney stone to uh, powder and and um, so got rid of that they they put in a stent which I had for about a week and that was uh, quite uncomfortable but uh, had that removed this past Monday I'm recording this on Saturday night and so uh, uh, this past Monday I had the stent taken out and uh, that was not the most pleasant experience in the world either but I am fine now uh, almost all of the comfort uh, discomfort rather is is gone so just about back up to 100% and appear to be no worse for the wear so I do thank you very much for your prayers and uh, it's it's really been a comfort to me very encouraging to me to get the emails from you uh, it's good to know that I've got people listening to the program and it's really good to know that you have been lifting me up in a prayer I do thank you for that very very much indeed so uh, to recap we have been looking at Matthew chapter 11 verses 25 through 30 that's our primary text but the last couple of programs I wanted to just give the context of the text and just briefly uh, last week we talked about the first few verses here the preceding verses verses 20 through 24 and this is in the passage in which Jesus upbraided the cities of Chorazin uh, Bethsaida and uh, Capernaum, he just he just uh, lamb blasted these cities. He he just upbraided them and raked them up one side down the other. He blasted them, not because interestingly, not because the residents of these cities were actively opposing Christ, but rather because they were simply indifferent to him. We talked about how it was the people of Nazareth who actually tried to throw him off of a cliff. And they tried to throw him off of a cliff because of his teaching on election, interestingly, and tried to kill him. And it wasn't Nazareth that Jesus blasted. It wasn't Nazareth that drew his ire. It was the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And these these cities never actively opposed Christ. They seemed to simply be indifferent to him. And that is what really drew his ire. And I just think that's very interesting. So it's not the uh, ACLUs. It's not the ISIS fighters. It's not uh, the liberal politicians that we should be most aghast about, most concerned about. It is, it is those who 
profess to believe in Christ, profess to be Christians, but really are indifferent to him, indifferent to his word. And we talk about how one good example of that is how uh, very few churches actually practice church discipline. Now, all of these churches would profess to believe in the word of God, profess to have fidelity to it, profess even their belief in the inerrancy of God's word. But when it comes to Matthew chapter 18, uh, 15 through 20, I believe it is, those verses there when Jesus talks about church discipline, well, we pretend like it's not even there. We don't do that. We will practice the Lord's Supper. We will practice baptism. But when it comes to this command from the head of the church to his church, uh, we think we know better. And I, I think that is a good uh, measuring stick if you want to take the temperature of a church, uh, their spiritual temperature, if you want to know how much they really do believe the Word of God and they really do practice what God's Word says, ask the church, hey, do you guys do church discipline? Do you follow Jesus' directives in Matthew chapter 18? And if they do not do that, then that is a that is a good indication that they they don't really take God's Word as seriously as they profess to take it. They are indifferent uh, to God's word, at least in large part, because church discipline is something that is inconvenient. It does goes it does go against social etiquette, but uh, but it's um, it's in the Bible. It's just as inspired as is John three sixteen or any other verse of scripture. So pretty good indication. If you want to know if you're going to a good church, church that really does take the word of God seriously. Ask the leadership if they practice church discipline. And uh, church discipline is a good thing, by the way. Obviously, it is a good thing because Christ prescribed it. So uh, that's what we talked about last week. Now, this week, I want us to finally get to our primary text. And if you have your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 11. And we will be looking over the next few weeks here, a couple weeks, at verses 25 through 30. Let me read that, and then we will begin to um, exposit it. So beginning of verse 25, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, beginning at verse 25, at that time, this phrase indicates that what follows is closely connected to the preceding context, and that's why I took a couple of weeks looking at the context of this passage, the upbraiding of Christ, or by Christ, uh, of these cities, Bethsaida, Capernaum, and Chorazin. So co- closely connected here. And Jesus says, I praise you, Father. I praise you. The word praise here 
is exomalagumai, exomalagumai. And that word exomalagumai, if you listen to it a little bit, exama, almost, you can almost kind of hear the word exalt. It's one of very closely connected words, word here. The word, it's, it's praise. It's, it's open and public praise. Christ burst forth in praise and exaltation to the Father in the hearing of all of the people. So every, everybody that was around heard this, very open, very public. So what was it for which he praised the Father? What was it that, that elicited from Christ such a public effusion of praise and worship? What caused him to burst forth into this open display of praise to God? It was that the Father has hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and delivered them to babes. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Now, before we get to the hiding, what are these things? What does Christ mean when he says you have hidden these things? What are these things? He does not directly identify these things. So in the absence of such identification, we let Scripture interpret Scripture. If a passage of Scripture is not crystal clear on its own, then we look to other scriptures. What do, you know, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. So, what do these other texts say? So, um, in the absence of this identification, we let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, Luke chapter 19, for example, records Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and in verses 41 through 42 of that chapter, Luke 19, we see that as Jesus approached the great city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, and he said "He said this in verse 41 through 42, If you had known this day, even you, the things, all right, the things, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, end quote. So the things, these things that Jesus uh, praise the Father for hiding from the wise and intelligent. The things are the things which pertain to the gospel. Faith and repentance. Genuine faith. Genuine repentance. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Another cross-reference here of sorts records that after his resurrection, Jesus spoke of, quote, this is Acts chapter 1 verse 3, he spoke of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So, just as God hid these things from Jerusalem, as evidenced by the crucifixion, and what I mean by that is clearly the things of the gospel, faith and repentance, had been hidden from those in Jerusalem, but as evidenced by the fact that those in Jerusalem crucified Christ. So, these things had been hidden, as evidenced by the crucifixion. The things of the gospel God has hidden here, God has hidden the things of the gospel uh, from the wise and intelligent. Now, most professing Christians do not think of God as hiding things. Most often, we think of God not as hiding truths, but rather revealing truths. And yet, he does hide things. He even hides the things of the gospel. So we must ask two questions. From whom does he hide them and why 
does he hide them? The from whom question is easily answered because Jesus tells us from whom. The things of the gospel are hidden from the wise and intelligent. Now, the wise and intelligent, I believe this is a sarcastic reference. Jesus is using sarcasm here. And if you ever hear people say, oh, you should never be sarcastic. And uh, the word sarcasm is, is taken actually a little tidbit of information here from two words, sarx, the Greek word sarx, which means flesh, and uh, chasm basically means uh, means to it means to divide, it means rupture, uh, to tear, and so literally sarcasm means to tear the flesh. That's really literally what the word sarcasm means to tear the flesh. But so uh, a sarcastic reference, it can be can be painful, it can be biting, you know, it can dig at at somebody, right? So that's uh, but this is what Christ is doing. He's using sarcasm here, and uh, sarcasm does has a, have a place. There are several examples of Jesus being sarcastic. Uh, there are a number of examples of the Apostle Paul being sarcastic. He was being very, very sarcastic to the church in Corinth when he was writing First Corinthians, and in particular First Corinthians, other places as well, but especially First Corinthians. So. We have to be careful with sarcasm, but it's not an illegitimate thing to use. It, it can bring home a point, drive home a point in a very pointed way. And so the fact that the Apostle Paul used it and Jesus himself used it is is proof that it can be used rightly. Now, we should not be overly sarcastic. We should not be sarcastic just for the sake of of digging at somebody and making ourselves feel better, but... A lot of times, sarcasm can bring home a point, and that's what Jesus is doing here. This is, this is this is a sarcastic reference by Christ, the wise and intelligent. He's calling these people wise and intelligent. Is that's sarcasm? And our our heater just came on, so let me let me pause here, and I'll let the heater go off, and, and we'll be right back. Okay, dear friends, I know that that just seemed like an, a, a blink of an eye an instant, but I did have to wait 15 or 20 minutes for our heater to go off. So just hit pause and back with you. So, uh, we, we were talking about how this has been a, this was a sarcastic reference from Christ when he referred to the wise and intelligent. God has hidden the things of the gospel from the wise and intelligent. It's sarcastic because he's referring to those people who, who perceive themselves to be wise and intelligent. People think they're wise. People think they're intelligent. It is those who have great confidence in their intellect and their knowledge. Now, upon considering this, we might think first of those people who reject the Bible on scientific grounds. Those who believe, for example, that the earth is billions of years old rather than the clear teaching of Scripture that God created in six literal 24-hour periods. Uh, those people who believe in biological evolution, the belief that nothing created everything. And uh, Ray Comfort has referred to biological evolution as a fairy tale for grown-ups, and rightly so. I mean, uh, biological evolution, really, I, I think you've really got to be doing what Paul said in Romans one You've got to be suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think the most ardent evolutionist really in his heart of hearts believes what he teaches because it just makes absolutely no sense and it makes no makes no logical sense 
so uh, the wise and intelligent, you know, might be easy for us to first think of these kinds of people, or the people who reject uh, uh, the Bible, reject the authority of Scripture for pagan secular humanism and um, uh, scientific explanations for the order of the universe rather than than the creator but then there are also those people who are religious they are religious people but they follow some pagan religion or a distorted unbiblical version of Christianity these are people who profess to be wise in their own eyes they do exactly what we've been talking about Paul describes in Roman Romans 118 they suppress the uh, the truth and unrighteousness but also included within the wise and intelligent are those who have actually made intellectual assent to the true saving gospel of Jesus Christ People who have made intellectual assent to the right gospel. Some of the wise and intelligent actually have sound doctrine. And yet, tragically, their heart has not been changed. There are many, many people who profess faith in Christ and his gospel, and yet have refused to bend the knee to his lordship. Like those in Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum, they refuse to repent. These things, the things of the gospel, faith and repentance, have been hidden from those who perceive themselves to be wise and intelligent in either the secular worldly realm or the religious Christian realm. God in his sovereignty has hidden salvation from them. So that is, from whom? Now the other question, why? Why did God do this? Why has he hidden the things of the gospel from people? He did this both as an act of judgment and as an act of mercy. An act of judgment because these people have suppressed the truth and unrighteousness and as an act of mercy to prevent their judgment from being compounded. Okay, I'll say that again if you're taking notes. He did this both as an act of judgment and as an act of mercy. Judgment, because people have suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. And, I mean, people people love their sin. They hate the light. They love their sin. So it is an act of judgment. However, it is also an act of mercy. The things of the gospel were hidden from their eyes also as an act of mercy because it prevented their judgment from being compounded now to give you uh, an example of this an illustration of this flesh this out a little bit more this is why jesus taught in parables if you ever hear someone say that jesus taught in parables so that the common man could understand deep spiritual truths in layman's terms common everyday terms, you know, farming terms, things like this, then if you ever hear somebody say this, then you know that that person does not know what he or she is talking about. The exact opposite of this is true. Jesus taught in parables so that the wise and the intelligent would not understand. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus' disciples asked him very directly why he spoke in parables. Why do you teach in parables? And Jesus replied in verse 11, Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, very directly. Jesus says to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, 
but to them it has not been granted. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Parables were both acts of judgment and of mercy. Judgment, because it kept them in the darkness which they loved, and yet it was also an act of mercy, because it prevented any more exposure to the truth, which would only increase their condemnation. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. You see, it was an act of mercy because it prevented these people from being exposed to any more truth than they had already been exposed to. Uh, And this was an act of mercy. Dear friends, we often think of the really bad people as being uh, like Adolf Hitler and Mussolini and Pol Pot and Jack the Ripper and Adam Lanza, who a couple of years ago went and shot all of those uh, little kids in the grade school in Connecticut. You know, those are the really bad guys. Those are the those are the guys who are going to be in the deepest, darkest part of hell. Uh, these Muslims who just a few days ago went into this uh, magazine office in France and shot 12 people in cold blood. You know, there, there's a special place in hell for them. Well, there is. But dear friends, what should give us really Paul, uh, give us all pause is that the deepest, darkest, hottest part of hell is not going to be populated with your Adolf Hitlers and your Mussolinis and your um, ISIS fighters, things like uh, things like people like that. Uh, no, the deepest, darkest, hottest part of hell will be populated by those people who had the most exposure to the truth and yet rejected it. The most exposure to the truth and yet rejected it. And I think of people like these false teachers that uh, you're, I'm sure, aware of that I teach against in my seminar, Clouds Without Water. You know, we, we look at somebody like Joel Osteen, and he seems like such a nice guy. He smiles all the time. He's very happy and encouraging and, you know, is, seems like a friendly guy. But the problem is, is Joel Osteen has been exposed to a lot of truth, a lot of truth. And I've listened to some of the sermons from his father. His father was by no means an expositional genius, but his father preached more truth than Joel Osteen has ever thought about preaching. Joel Osteen has been exposed to the truth. He knows the truth. He has the same Bible that you and I have, and yet he refuses to teach it. He refuses to teach 
to preach about sin. He refuses to preach about repentance. Oh, occasionally he may use the term, but but he never defines them. He never gives a proper proper biblical understanding of these things. He never, ever, ever talks about the wrath of God, the holiness of God, the justice of God. Never talks about these things. Never talks about sin. So how can you preach the gospel if you do not talk about sin? How can you preach the gospel if you do not talk about repentance? How can you preach the gospel if you do not talk about denying yourself and taking up the cross? You'll never hear that from Joel Osteen, ever. And and so you have to come to the conclusion, and Joel Osteen has been confronted with his error before, and yet he refuses to change. So, based upon what we've talked about before, church discipline, Matthew 18, somebody who's been confronted with the truth, has been shown the truth, and yet refuses to bend the knee to that truth, that's a false convert. Joel Osteen is not a Christian. He's not a believer. And so it may seem kind of counterintuitive when we think about it. It may not make sense to our earthly mind, our human reasoning. But barring genuine repentance out of Joel Osteen, and not to single him out, I mean, there's so many others. Uh, there, there's, there's, as I said just a few minutes ago in this message, there's, there are people who have made genuine intellectual assent to the real gospel, but yet they, they, their lives have not been changed, their hearts have not been changed, there's been no real repentance. These people, these people will have the harshest eternal judgment in hell. Not Adolf Hitler, not Adam Lanza, People who had the most exposure to the truth and yet rejected it. And so as an act of mercy, Christ taught in parables so that these people would not understand. So it prevented, do you see what I'm saying? It prevented any more exposure to the truth. And so it was an act of mercy. Parables, both an act of judgment and as an act of mercy. So um, looking at... The time here, we're just about out. Of, I, I, I'm about to get into the next phrase, but I don't want to start it right now because there's there's too much. So, uh, dear friends, thank you. I, I, as I close, let me let me uh, wrap up with this. There's been a little bit of news. I don't know if you're aware of it yet, but uh, Beth Moore, uh, female Bible teacher Beth Moore, has written a blog post talking about those uh, our critics and I, I think uh, in, in next week's program I'm going to address that and I don't I don't think I'll take the whole program to do it maybe I will I, maybe I won't but anyway I'm going to address that Lord willing next week what Beth Moore has written I think she is talking about probably me and uh, maybe Brandon Howe some others and she referenced in that blog post a young woman age 22 who tweeted her, I think. I think it was a tweet. Well, long story short, I just got off the phone a little while ago with this woman's husband and had a, a, a very lovely conversation with him. We talked about what's going on. They have emailed Beth Moore. Beth Moore actually emailed her personal email, and uh, there's a little bit of exchange there. And so uh, I, I told this gentleman, I said, uh, when you email her back, tell her that I, Justin Peters, would like to talk to her. I've called her office before, asked to speak with her. They told me that somebody would get back to me. Of course, they never did. So um, uh, this gentleman is going to email Beth Moore back and say, 
Justin Peters would like to talk to you and give you a, an opportunity to, he wants to hear you out and, and see where you, you are on some of these things. Cause I know she, I'm one of the ones that she has in mind. So anyway, um, I'm going to give this a, a week and see what happens over the next few days and, uh, maybe ho- hopefully have something to report to you next week. If I don't, we won't spend a whole lot of time on it. We'll go right back to our passage. So Matthew chapter 11 verses 25 through 30. Next week, uh, deal some with Beth Moore. Depending on how long it takes, we will pick it up with the babes. He says these things have been hidden from the wise and intelligent and revealed to babes. What is he talking about? The babes. So we'll get into that and we'll continue to work our way through this text. So thank you, dear ones. Thank you for joining me. And until our next time together. Oh, oh, let me say this again. Um, be listening for my next uh, series after this. We will be doing a series on spiritual warfare. I have interviewed my friend and pastor Jim Osmond, and uh, we have got 12 programs coming on, on coming up on spiritual warfare. I'm really excited about them. I think you'll find them very, very helpful and interesting. So spiritual warfare, his book is entitled Truth or Territory, Truth or Territory, a Biblical Approach to Spiritual Warfare. And so that will be coming up as our next series. Thank you, dear ones. Much love to you. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to the Justin Peters Program. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or would like to invite him to come and speak at your church or conference, contact him through his website, justinpeters.org. That's justinpeters.org.